Hello. How's it going, everybody? Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world right now. Um, today is going to be actually a solo show from myself. So Ian's not going to be joining me. And I'm going to be doing over the next few weeks a bunch of solo shows like this. Um, all focused on the the album that we're about to we're about to launch at the beginning of October. And I say we because it's myself and my uh, partner in crime, Simon King. Um, and we're going to release this, our first album together. And obviously we're really excited about it. And I wanted to kind of share the story about not only what the big idea is, and I will briefly go over the big idea with the uh, with the album today, uh, but also a little bit more about the process of it. So today, for instance, I'm going to be talking about my gear, um, how I came to choose the gear that I was, you know, I was using on the album, my choices around that, my my internal battles, um, the mistakes I made around that, and um, stuff that I might do different next time round. So I'm going to be talking about all of that kind of stuff, and then in the next podcast. Um, I'm going to be talking about um, the preparation that I went through to prepare for the for the album and also some of the regrets and learnings that I have off the back of doing the album. And then as we release the album onto YouTube, because we're going to be releasing it one track every single week onto YouTube, I'm also going to be releasing a podcast um episode along with that and kind of give you this sort of like the director's cut where we can listen to that track together and then i'll give you insights into um how i approached playing it what the what i was going for where i was struggling maybe um things that i did to prepare for that particular track just to really take you on a journey through the album and hopefully i'm um, by sharing this stuff you'll be able to take away the you know some of my learnings and uh, some of my mistakes that I went through and save yourself uh, you know of making the same mistakes so I'm going to be sharing that as well um, as we go through this and also as well just to let you know that we've actually transcribed the entire album as well so you can get all of the tab and the notation for the entire album and I've decided to give it away for free because. I want to inspire people to try and learn this music and learn the lines. And and it was incredibly inspiring for me recording it so and performing it. So hopefully I want you guys to go through the same, um, the same experience as well. And obviously the tunes are challenging and they're really fun to play. And, and it's good to stretch yourself like this. So, yeah, I think that you're going to have a blast doing it. Uh, when we release the album, uh, the first, I think it's the first week of October really, releasing it. What I'll do is I'll make sure that in the podcast I'll mention what you know URL to go to so you can you can grab the uh, you can grab the free ebook there because what we've done we've created an entire ebook around the album um, and again with all of the tab and notation and all of that fun stuff in as well so I will keep everybody up to date with that hopefully you're on the email list. Um, over at Scott's Bass Lessons, because that's kind of like our primary way of telling you where to get all of the free stuff. Um, so definitely get yourself hooked up with that. And also, should I mention it now? Maybe. Let me, should I mention it? Huh. Well, alongside the album, we're doing a giveaway. Let me do, I, I will mention it. We're doing a giveaway. And 
as with many of our giveaways, um, there's always, well, many times there's been a charity element to it where we've partnered with Pencils of Promise. And, and this time we're doing exactly the same. You know, we've built multiple schools now um, by partnering with Pencils of Promise and, and you know, kind of powered by you guys. Yes, we've given away amazing bases, but off the back of that, we've also raised like thousands tens actually hundreds of thousands of dollars um in conjunction with pencils of promise that we've donated to pencils pencils of promise and they've helped us to build schools in developing countries around the world and um so we're doing the same thing whilst we're releasing the album we're actually giving away uh five of my own personal bases um maybe yeah like the some of the most important ones to me personally um, I won't mention all of them because I, I don't want to give it all away. And uh, I, I know that some of you, or, or most of you are going to be incredibly excited when you see the bases I am giving away. But the most important base I'm going to be giving away in this giveaway is the, the base I recorded this album with. And it is insanity. <laughs> if you're wondering, have I gone slightly insane? Yes, I have gone slightly insane. But it's an incredible, incredibly important you know, thing that we're trying to do with this giveaway, um, because there's hundreds and th- no, there's millions of kids um, in, in, you know, in, in the world right now that haven't got access to school. So I think that being an educational company that we are, it is our responsibility to give back to education. And ultimately my, my responsibility as well to, um, to give back to to global education, get help getting you know kids in school around the world. So I am throwing the banana base that I recorded this album with. Uh, I'm throwing it in the mix, and uh, with the with the hope that it makes everybody insanely excited about this giveaway because somebody is going to win the base of a lifetime. Um, yeah. It's going to be a blast. Anyway, all of that is coming at the beginning of October, the giveaway and the album. Um, and it's again, it's sort of like wrapped up um, together in, in, in many ways. Um, and with that said, I think I'm going to just carry on with this episode now and talk about the gear that I used for the uh, for the album. And if you haven't, if you don't know what the album's all about, um, the, the, the quick synopsis is, the quick breakdown of it is that I am a huge jazz fusion, fusion nerd. And I have been, and you know, for, in, since that first time I ever picked up bass. In fact, the reason why I picked up bass is because of an album on a Alan Holsworth um, yeah, a, an album that Alan Holsworth recorded um, called Heart Hat Area. And there is a track on that album called Low Levels High Stakes. There is a bass solo on that track, Low Levels High Stakes, by a bass player called Schooly Sferison. Can't speak today. Schooly Sferison. And that is spelt, if you want to check it out, S V. Oh, God. S V E. Double R I double S O N, something right like that. If you write and schooly spell S K U L I. Um, and I heard that, that solo and I was like, oh shit, I, I'm actually, I, I think I'm going to be a bass player. It was really that, that solo that pushed me over the edge. So it wasn't like it was for so many people. It wasn't James Jameson. It wasn't Marcus Miller. It was like, it wasn't that for me. It was actually a bass solo that, that really, gave me the the kickstart to really start 
chasing the base as a as a possible lifelong um, journey that it ultimately turned into. So, um, and Alan Holsworth, the the you know the the band leader of that album was like his it was jazz right it was improvisational jazz it was with with rock elements it was jazz fusion and through that I was introduced to bands like Weather Report with Jaco Pistorius and then Victor Bailey through um, Jack, uh, through Weather Report and all of Victor Bailey's solo albums that I, like Low Blow and all of that, all of those albums which are incredibly important to me. Through that, I learned about Gary Willis and Tribal Tech and then Uzeb and Elaine Caron and all of these incredible bands, uh, the Chick Corea Electric Band with John Patatucci, and I really fell in love with the music. Um, and And over the years, Jazz Fusion that style of music has has really not ceased to exist but it's 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 certainly not cool anymore and and i say freaking blah to that fooey i think it's freaking awesome i love the i love fusion for what it is i think it's an incredibly important music and incredibly challenging music and fun music and i love it to listen to i love playing it Oh, I absolutely love it. And again, it was so inspirational and important to me in my journey as a musician um, that I wanted to um, I wanted to create an album that was like unapologetically jazz fusion. It was just like they, you know, it had all of the elements that those great bands in the late 80s and the early 90s had. So I reached out to Simon King and said, hey, you know, I would really love to make a fusion album. Do you want to, do you want to do this? You know? Um, and he was, because I knew that he had just these amazing composition chops and he was like, absolutely. So that's when the divine, the divine King project was born and, you know, and yeah. And, and here we are <laughs> week, just a few weeks before the release of the album. So <clears throat> um, what I, what I thought I would um, focus on in this particular episode is gear the gear i used uh, why i use it why i chose it and um the the internal battles i had about it and all of that fun stuff so i'm going to start off with the bass first of all because that's the most important thing right for all of us <gasps> what bass are we going to use when we're you know doing a gig or a recording or an album and i had as- aspirations of well, I, I went through, I guess, journeys. I went through, there were cycles of this. And if you are a regular listener to the podcast, you will have heard those cycles. You'll have heard me state, oh, I'm going to do the entire thing on a fretless. And I actually went on a hunt for a fretless and bought a fretless to record the album with. Um, and then, uh, and I'm not sure... Uh, you know, the sequence of this, but then I got a Ken Smith and I was like, oh, it's because there's something like that I absolutely love about the Ken Smith sound. There's something about the mid quality in that, in those bases that I don't think he's like anything else. So I have this passion and love for fretless bass, you know, Jacko Pastores, Gary Willis, Elenka on my influences, right? I've also got this passion about the Ken Smith sound, um, the, the mid quality, the way that it cuts through in the mix is just second to none. It's just bonkers. And then I also 
had the the banana base, which was in the running, right? So I had my F base, um, and I kind of went around again in these cycles of what base am I going to use? Now, some of you might be thinking, why not use all of them? And which I absolutely could have done. And many people might have done that. But for me, when I run through my influences, Gary Willis, Victor Bailey, Jeff Andrews, Elaine Caron, Jaco Pastorius, Anthony Jackson, uh, Lincoln Goins, like all of these these giants, John Patatucci, there is one thread that connects them all. And it is the thread that they have an instrument that they have dedicated themselves to. They are not swapping around like multiple bases. They're not, that's not the vibe. The vibe is that they are trying to find an instrument that they can develop their own voice on. And I love the idea that is so ingrained in me that when I hear people talking about swapping out bases and uh, it, it kind of drives me crazy. Not that it, there's anything wrong with it. It's just so not what, what I'm about um, from a fundamental standpoint. Um, I just love the idea of finding Excalibur, the base that I will bond with and I will learn. We will learn about each other. Right. And, and I will craft my personality, my approach and everything. I, it, it will be born out of that base. And I think it actually does happen like that. I do think that there is huge value in dedicating. Maybe dedicating is the wrong word, but. Finding that partner that you want to. Find your voice on. And doing that with as a partnership, you and the instrument. And I think that if you're swapping out multi, like multi, multiple instruments, you're not going to have that experience. It's going to be different. Um, so that's why I was really f- trying to find Excalibur. And along the process, I recorded. Like, if you're wondering, well, how did I? How did I get to the? You know the. And you know I did mention it earlier. I ultimately ended up doing it on the the yellow F bass, the banana bass that is everybody knows it as, right? Uh, which is a five string fretted bass. It's a f- just an absolutely phenomenal bass. Um, and uh, again, I, I went through a process of trying all of these bases, and I had the tracks. So what I was doing to to help me decide what this bass was that I was going to use on this album is that I was recording a lot of. Um, clips of me playing the different basses. I would play them all on the fretless. I'd play them all on the Ken Smith. I'd play them all on the fret, ba- the F bass. And then I would listen and watch back. And in fact, a lot of those clips are over on Instagram. If you go to my Instagram stories, you will see a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, the old practice clips. I was posting them up on Instagram. Um, so go check them out on the SBL channel. Um, so I was recording a lot of the basses, reflecting on what the what it sounded like, what it sounded like to, within the the mix of the track, but also what it felt like to play as well. And yeah, and that was a big part of why I settled on the F bass. Actually, there was something I absolutely loved about the Ken Smith within. And I will say this when I listen just from a tonal standpoint, when I listen to the F bass and the Ken Smith in the practice tracks that I did, I think that the tone that I was going for was actually more the Ken Smith. That was 
more what I was hearing within this, on this album. But I actually gravitated towards the F bass ultimately for recording because I found it to be more playable for me. It was more, it was just more comfortable. Um, and maybe that was because I just played it more, but I also think that I could, I, I got the setup dialed in more. I couldn't, I struggled getting the setup that I really wanted on the Ken Smith. Um, and also what I loved about the, the F bass is that I could get the, 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 the playability really dialed in. So that was killer. So I got the playability dialed in, but also the curvature of the, the F bass pickups matches the curvature of the neck. So I can raise the pickups quite high and they act as a ramp as I'm playing. And I didn't have that on the Ken Smith. And I really wanted that. It's, it's kind of like a key part of my technique when I'm playing music like this is that I really love the feel of those, the pickups close under the strings. So I've got that ramp kind of feeling um, under my fingers, you know, which has obviously been um, popularized by players like Gary Willis is, is the kind of the guy that, you know, that, that comes to mind for me, but you can get that kind of vibe on an F bass as well. So ultimately, even though sonically um, I was gravitating more towards the Ken Smith, I didn't think that I, I'd be able to, I felt like I was going to just perform better on the F bass. Not that the F bass sounded bad or anything like that. I just thought I was going to do a better job of the performance on the F bass. So that's why I decided to go with the yellow banana bass um, as the bass that I wanted to uh, use on this album. And fretless, like it was, there was a, a good few weeks where I actually thought I was just going to do it on the fretless, but I kind of crumbled last, last minute, actually, maybe two or three weeks out, I'd not really decided up until very, very close to the finish line in terms of what base. I think like maybe a week, two weeks out, I didn't really know what I was going to use. Um, a huge element of me wanted to use the F, the fretless, but there was definitely part of me that just shit bricks about it. And I was just like, oh, like this is going to be incredibly difficult uh to actually pull off because there's no room for error we're flying these guys in from the states we've got was it three days four i think it was three days so we had four days in the studio but only three days to record the tracks and and be under no illusion that we weren't rehearsing on that fourth day it was just setting up and getting sound and stuff like that and getting bedded in so we just didn't have the time to rehearse any of this stuff. The rehearsal was going to be the recording. And ultimately that, that is exactly what happened. So I didn't want to put myself, my fear was that, that I was going to put myself under crazy pressure. I was going to have to worry about intonation and playing in tune and all of that stuff that is important when you're playing fretless. And ultimately I crumbled and I was like, shit, I'm going to use the the yellow F bass because the playability is amazing and I feel like I'm going to do my best version of a performance on that bass for this project. Um, in hindsight, should I have played the fretless? Um, I don't think so. 
I'm not 100% certain of that, though. I'm kind of like undecided on it. I'm undecided. But I am very certain that I picked the right fretted bass on it. I picked the right fretted bass. It was the right thing to do to pick the bass that I was more comfortable playing, even though sonically I was more drawn to the Ken Smith sound within this music that we were playing. So, yeah, it was a whole interesting trip. And like reflecting on it, was I happy with the sound? I would say 70 to 80%. Um, And I'll get on to... I've got some regrets around that. Um, it's got nothing to do with the instrument, actually. It's to do with me. Um, and I'll talk about in the next episode where I share my um, all about the preparation for this and my some of my regrets and stuff like that. But, yeah, 70 to 80% happy with the sound. Um, and I'll get into that in the next episode that we talk about this. And... Um, was I happy with my playing? Yeah, I was happy with my playing. I think that more like 80 to 90 percent happy. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a real stickler. I'm very I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, but I was like 80 to 90 percent happy with my playing. And um, yeah, and I guess sort of like given more time, I would have liked to experiment more with bass. I feel like I actually just would have liked to experiment more with basses. And I think that the big takeaway for me here is that it is incredibly fun, like super fun to be able to try and craft your sound and dedicate yourself to really finding an instrument that is going to be, that you are going to craft your sound in partnership with that instrument you are going to grow together your your feel your touch your articulations on that instrument is going to you're going to grow together i'm so bullish about that um all of my favorite players have done that and what was really apparent for me is that to, going through this process is that i really need to do more projects like this um and yeah to to do to do this to to go on that journey to find excalibur to to find that instrument that we're going to go on this journey together it's it's not the same if you're not involved in a musical project because there is a certain pressure and focus and deadline that comes through being involved in a musical pro, um, pro, pro, pro uh, project like this so I really do recommend that um, you should be searching out musical projects that you should, you know, getting involved with it, whether it's your own thing or somebody else's thing and trying to develop your own sound, your own, yeah, your own vibe with this instrument, searching for Excalibur. Come on this search with me because I think it's such an incredible experience and something that um, I'm just really excited about doing in the future um yeah really really stoked about the uh, the opportunity to to do what i've done and the opportunity to to carry on that journey um and and keep searching for this instrument that i'm going to 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 grow with so yeah so that's kind of sort of like everything on the on the bass side on the amp side i actually kept it really really simple super simple I had a trickfish head, so they're 1K head trickfish. Shout out to the guys. 
over at uh, Ryan and Justin over at Trickfish. Just absolutely love their their equipment. Um, just so great. Um, so I went into a Trickfish head, into a Trickfish cab, and the cab was actually not in the room with me. It was in a separate room um, because I wanted to be able to record the well we were first of all we were all recording live in the room and i couldn't have the bass booming out the room and going down all of the mics and stuff like that so we had to do that but it was also really beneficial because it gave me the ability to create these amazing backing tracks if you remember of sbl um i should say that we i have recorded an entire course where I teach you every single track on this album. So look out for that. It's, it's coming very soon. And um, yeah, so it gave us the ability to like, you know, we'd record, we'd record the album, but I can also just remove all of the bass on the album, which is really fantastic. Um, so I, yeah, so I went into the Trickfish 1K head, into the Trickfish cab. And then I, in terms of DI, I just came out the back of the Trickfish. And we actually AB'd with a bunch of different, like fancy ass DIs and all of that. And I really preferred the, the DI out of the back of the trick fish. So there you go. Um, it was, I thought I was going to gravitate to some sort of like standalone DI, but I actually gravitated towards the, uh, the DI that came out of the back of the trick fish. So uh, in terms of any takeaways as well for on the amp side of things, actually not really <laughs> um, other than, I don't really dig recording with cams only. That was a drag. Um, we didn't, as I mentioned, I didn't have any cab in the room. So it was just cams. And I, it just doesn't feel super natural to me to do that. Also, weird pitching things happen. Like I can hear the pitches better when I'm just in the room with the amp. Um, when it's just cams, it's weird. I just can't hear the pitches um, as as well as as I can do when I can hear it in the room. And interestingly, I, like a just yesterday, I was having a, we were recording something for SBL with Yannick Guizdala, and he's done his last album, Cans Only, and he said the same thing. He said he's got this weird weird thing like pitching um, when he's recording with Cans Only, even though he said he will do it again. And then Ian, I was talking to him earlier today, and he said the same thing. So it's it's a common thing. So, But that was my only takeaway, that I would have done the same thing with my apps again. I was really happy with how they sounded, um, but I would have kind of loved to heard it in the room even though from a technical standpoint it was probably better doing it without in the room so that was the amps and then on the effects side so the effects pedals well that was a whole whole journey as well i had so many pedals that i took down i had a full board built out the full shenanigans i had reverbs and delays and fuzzes and distortions and octaves multiple octaves blah 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 right and you know what? When push came to shove, I was in the room. We're setting up. All of the all of the musicians are there. They're all warming up. I was just like, shit, I haven't got freaking time to experiment with any of this shit. Nothing. I've got no time to... So two things. I've got no time to experiment with any of this stuff on the tracks when, when I'm recording it. Number one. And number two is I've got zero room to fuck this up. I cannot do that. So no room to experiment and no room room to drop a ball, okay? I can't, like, get to the end of the track and go, hey, sorry, guys, 
this octave setting I used on this, well, wasn't quite right. Can we? Do, uh, that was not going to go. The, and the reason being is that we had zero time. We had three days to track this stuff. Four days in the studio, one day to sort of like set up, get our you know mixes dialed in, and all of that good stuff. Headphone mixes, and then we had three days to track nine songs, and we'd never played them before, and they were hard. It was hard stuff. It was like through composed, all you know, loads of unison lines. It was multiple time signatures. Ah, it was that whole thing. Do I really want to be pissing around with, you know, oh, this octave pedal here and this distortion here and this delay and this, like all of that. And I just thought to myself, I cannot give myself the opportunity to screw around with all of these pedals. I blew it. I should have. So the takeaway is... I should have actually prepped the heck out of that too. But I actually didn't. I was really focused on prepping the performance side of things. I will talk about my process on the next podcast about that. But um, I was just so focused on the performance side of things, like the physical being able to play these tracks. I didn't really experiment with any experiment with any sounds or anything like that. And just in my mind, for whatever reason, foolish dick, <laughs> I was just like, oh, it's going to be fine. I'll do it in the studio. Well, that was not going to happen. It was on, I was setting up on that first day and it was just this instant realization. I was like, oh, I have no room to do any, any experimentation with any of these pedals. So I just pulled them all off and I had a tuner and I had a reverb pedal and that was it. Tuner and reverb. Everything else I pulled off the board. So I had this huge pedal board with two, two, two pedals sat on it, which was kind of hilarious. And it was absolutely the right move um, to do that. Listening back to the album, I've got no regrets that I um, stripped that all back because I did the right thing. I, I needed to really focus on what was important in the moment, and that was performing this, the music, the songs, as well as I possibly could do, and making it as simple as I could for myself and not giving myself the opportunity to you know, be tap dancing around on all different types of effects and screwing it up and, you know, having to get people to re-record songs. We didn't have any time. We didn't have any time to do that. You know, what would happen if, like, you know, Dave Binney or Gergo or Scott Kinsey, or one of these giants, just did a, a blazing solo and at the end, oh, sorry, guys, you know, stepped on the fuzz a little too early. Can we record that again? We couldn't overdub Everything was live in the room. I mean, we were recording, we were performing this stuff live in the room. We did not have the luxury of dropping in, you know, and doing all of that stuff. So I I am glad that I stripped it all back. My only, the only thing, and, I, and it's not a regret actually, but my big takeaway from it is if I'd wanted to use effects, I should have prepped the hell out of that as well as prepping the hell out of the performance um getting ready for the for the for the session so next time around if effects are going to be a big part of what i'm doing i will be prepping the heck out of those beforehand um for sure and i'm already starting up thinking about what that what that sounds like you know on the next project what's it's really exciting actually i'm already I'm a bit of a bugger for this, actually. 
I'm just, you know, I get one thing done and instead of like seeing that one thing, I'm on to the next thing. So I'm a bit of a pain in the ass but with that. But all that said, so I am thinking about what is the sound? What is the, what's the base for the next one? What's the, you know, the, the process with effects and stuff like that. So, um, and I think in terms of bass, and I actually spoke about this on the podcast recently with Ian, that, you you know, if, if you're a regular listen listener, I love you, first of all. And secondly, um, you'll have heard me speak about it, um, is that I wonder if there's room for the P bass in music like this. I, if you've been following me for a long time, you'll know that I, for many years, I just played a P bass. That was my, it was my bass, you know, it was just P bass. So... I don't know. I'm going to, again, go on a, I'm on this journey trying to find the instrument that I'm going to, you know, we're going to find each other's sound. And um, I'm really excited to do that and really just, just feel really lucky to be able to have that realization that is something that I want to go and, and do. And I think that it's very easy to joke about gear acquisition syndrome right oh we've got and it is you know and and it's it's not a great thing and it is real we all do have gear acquisition syndrome but on the flip side of it is there is this real special um search for me at least for this instrument that i'm going to um i'm going to go on this journey with and i don't think i've found it yet i don't think i've found it yet um who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in the future? But if you're a listener of the podcast, um, I will be sharing it with you. <laughs> so, hey, just before I leave you, just want to say massive thanks for listening today. Um, I really do respect your time. And and I'm just so stoked that so many of you are dialing in and listening to the show with Ian and I. It's, an, it's a blast talking about all of this fun stuff that we talk about Um I have to pinch myself every single day when I get to do this and it, and it's my career. It's my job. I like, it's just, I feel like the luckiest person alive to be able to share, share this stuff with you. And, um, yeah. And know that you guys are all going through the same experiences. Obviously we're all at different points in this journey, right? We're not all at the same point. But to have this shared experience together is is just really something I don't take for granted. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks. Um, <clears throat> now, also, before I go, just to remind you, when we release the album, first week of October, we've also created an entire free ebook. So you're going to be able to get the ebook completely free. Um, I'll be sharing the URL via um, email. So make sure you're hooked up on the, the email list over at Scott's Bass Lessons. I'll also mention it on an upcoming podcast episode as well. So keep a lookout for that. You definitely want to get the free ebook. And um, and if you're a member, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. If you're a member, I've also recorded an entire course teaching the entire album and you also get backing tracks so you can do that whole thing as well um and remember i'm also going to be doing a giveaway alongside the album launch and the giveaway is going to be my personal basis um and the one that i think that's going to be 
most important and most exciting to to so many people um i'm hoping anyway is the uh, is the banana bass that i actually recorded this album with and again i'm definitely going to shed so many tears when i when i see that bass go because i actually just to put it out there it sounds weird to say it i haven't like that's my bass i haven't got another bass like i've got bases i own i've got bases i own but well actually just reflected on it now yeah, well i've got like yeah i've got a couple of p bases that i really love but other than that i'm like giving away like my bases so yeah it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting um i'm looking forward to you know figuring out or experience what that feels like when i lose lose those bases and i mean that in a good way i know it's it's going to a great cause so but i am excited about hey what wh- where's this going to lead you know what avenue what adventure is this going to take me on because i think that um the reality that we're in right now is just you know it's the lens that we're looking through it's the it's the experience that we're just you know that we're that we're going through right now but it's not the broader reality um and i think that i'm just excited about you know going on a new journey and and uh yeah and sharing it with you guys anyway with that said i just want to say thank you again for listening to the podcast we love you guys so much we never take you for granted and um yeah wherever you are in the world have an amazing day and uh, i'm looking forward to uh hooking up with you next time on the podcast i'll speak to you in a bit bye